Works fine the first time. Sitting here looking like a fucking fool. All professional. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's a good ass bagel though. I tell you what. Oh, very good. Beat somebody's ass for one of these bagels. Mm. Well, um. Hey, welcome to the Couch on Fire podcast. That's Griffin, and I'm Rob. How are you? <laughs> what up, bitches? <laughs> So I have an inkling of what you brought me on here today to talk about. Well, kind of. Um, well, see, this is how how it always unfolds with me. You know, I want to talk about the new Candyman. Obviously, Candyman 2020. That's what I'm, that's mm-hmm. what I'm calling it. Um, I want to talk about that. The trailer came out not that long ago. Uh, I want to get your thoughts and stuff. But I also have something else I want to talk to you about. So mm-hmm. this might not be a long episode. But I do have something else to talk about. But anyway, let's let's just uh, dive right into it, huh? So uh, let's do it. What's got so, for me, boy. So you saw the trailer? Indeed, I did. Yeah. Um, uh, your first initial thoughts when you saw the trailer? Initial thoughts were, "God damn it, not again." <laughs> what do you, What do you mean? I'm so, I'm so sick of these fucking remakes, dude, and uh, especially. Going off something as universally beloved as Candyman, with the performance of a lifetime by Tony Todd, it'd be like trying to remake Saw without fucking what the hell was his name? The old man, the guy who played Jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the hell his name who was. Says- You're trying to make like making Saw without Jigsaw. You know, like they tried that once in that newest one, and it felt like a fucking brick. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but then I I was watching through it, and then I saw from acclaimed director Jordan Peele. And it's like, ooh, sigh of relief. Ah, we're good now. So, Hmm? well, to talk about the first thing you talked about, um, we don't know if he's not in the movie. The guy who played the original Candyman. Oh, Tony Todd? Yeah. Dude, he's old as shit. I know he's old. I recently saw a picture. There was an interview on YouTube that I saw. After I watched the trailer twice, I, I went back and watched the 1994 trailer. <laughs> Actually, it was 92. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anyway, it was one of those. I went back and watched that trailer. Um, and then there was a video of him. I mean, he ages well. And uh, he doesn't look too old. I know he's old as shit. But um, someone asked him in the, the interview. And they said, hey, are you in this film? And he was like, I can't confirm or deny anything. That's basically what he was saying. Ah. Uh, so I, I, I just feel like... And then the, the the amount of technology that we have now with this de-aging stuff, especially what Disney's been doing with all the Marvel characters and things, um, I really do feel like he might be in it. But from the – because we're only basing all this stuff off the trailer, by the way. We don't know anything. We don't know the synopsis or anything about this. But from the trailer, it looks like you know that young he's, – he's basically a fanboy of um, – um, Candyman. This guy is mm-hmm. an artist. It looks like he gets possessed. So I'm hoping that you know Tony Todd's in this, and he kind of like hands the torch over to this kid, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're going for. Yeah. Um, my main argument against the whole de aging process, yeah, is that this is produced by Blumhouse. If you're not terribly familiar with Jason Blum, he's a brilliant businessman. His entire idea is just give Every fucking director who wants to make a horror movie, give them like two or three million dollars. Like not much money at all. Make a horror movie, market the shit out of it, and then release it. And if it makes more than like five or ten million dollars, it's a financial success. The man makes super low budget horror movies stretch their absolute limit, makes a shitload of money doing it, and he's made some, like I say made, he's produced some fantastic films. Like I, I know Get Out was Blumhouse, I'm not sure which other ones were. But the vast majority of it are just low effort, low budget garbage, which is something else that kind of worries me. Like if it, honest to God, if it, if I didn't see that Jordan Peele was directing it, I would be like, this is a fucking nothing movie. I'm well, not watching this. I'm well, not giving this any support. I'm going to burst your bubble. He is not the director. What? He is the producer of this. I'm looking at Jordan right. Peele's producing this. Yes. I'm looking it up right now. Um, yeah. When I, so when I f- first initial saw it, it said, from from Jordan Peele, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's pretty cool. He's he's making this. Uh, you know, that's pretty cool. He's doing it." So I'm looking it up right now. It says, "Yeah, 2020 Candyman. He is not an actor or not a director in this. He is the writer and producer of this." 
Okay. So he's not directing it. Um, who the director is? Uh, the director is going to be Nia Da Costa. And has a director done anything else she, in the past? She has done um, two other films. There's a breakout film called Little Woods. It came out in 2019. She's a, she's a, she's a woman. And mm-hmm. then she did a televi- British television series called Top Boy. Don't really know anything about either one of those, but I'm trying to sound professional on this podcast, so I'm actually doing research. <laughs> so basically, she don't even have a, doing like the she don't even have a picture up on um, Wikipedia, by the way. So that's that's how fresh she is, which could oh, be good. Christ. It could be good. You calm down. Uh, it could mm, be good, dude. They're pulling the Guillermo del Toro, Sam Raimi shit, where they just get one guy who's really well known for something. And they slap his name on there as a producer's credit, and then there's some fucking nobody's making the movie, and it's always garbage. Yeah. But um, to answer your one question um, with uh, Blumhouse production, that's what it's called? Yeah, Blumhouse. Yeah. So I'm looking at them, and you are 100% right. All the films that have come out, like I'm looking at it right now, let's just go The Purge Anarchy, because they do all the Purge films. It, it costs $9 million to make, and they made all... 111 million dollars so yeah i i liked the the purge the later yeah. purge movies i yeah. hated the first one um they did insidious chapter two the regular purge they did all so the paranormal activities they did all that's what really started it was paranormal mm-hmm. activity um that was in 2009 um before then they did a couple films but that was the one they did fifteen thousand dollars to film that movie and they made almost 200 million dollars so that was uh that was probably the taste that they got Blumhouse films, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean they did. They've done a lot of horror movies, and they're, they're not that bad. Yeah, they're not that bad. I, I, I don't, I don't hate Jason. I like what he's doing. Yeah, he's keeping yeah. like the horror genre alive because as much as A twenty four makes incredible horror movies, yeah. they're not financially successful most of the time. Like they're like, beg your pardon. I was gonna say like, I mean, um, no, I, I get it. There's a there's they. I mean. So Blumhouse, I'm looking through every year, and there's a whole bunch of films they produce, and some of them, one, literally only made 3% of the money back. I mean, there's a lot of films that are not doing well, but, mm-hmm. I mean, in the most recent year, I mean, Split by M. Night Shyamalan, that, mm-hmm. that made a whole lot of money, and then Get Out obviously made a shit ton of money. Um but I don't want to talk too much about Blum, Plumhouse. I want to get back into the uh, the Candyman thing. But, I mean, I, I'm intrigued. But when I saw that he was involved, Jordan Peele, I was just like, this guy. I mean, you have to understand. He was on Mad TV. This guy is a comedian. And mm-hmm. he brought us us, Get Out. Um, he was a producer on the Black um, Klansman. Klansman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this guy has done so much. Um and it's like serious stuff, non-comedic stuff. So, I mean, so before I even watched the trailer, I was already intrigued because of him. And I'm sure you're the same way. You thought he directed it. Because when you throw that name out there, you really – that's you're throwing it out there to get more people in. And they're going to think that he directed it. Yeah, which is why they put it in the trailer like that. Yep. Um, I've, this, this also kind of popped the bubble of mine that I've been wondering about ever since I heard that he was involved. And I thought that he was the director. Yeah. I thought every single one of his movies that he's directed so far, one, they've all been original screenplays. There have been no adaptations, no remakes, nothing like that. Both Us and Get Out were, like, original. Yep. And two, they both took traditional horror movie concepts, like the home invasion in Us, mm-hmm. and, like, the this, I guess, like, the cult thing in Get Out, and they use it as a frame rate, as kind of like a framework to talk about black issues and to bring like race into the conversation. They're both very like racially focused. Yeah. So I was wondering, especially that with Candyman being portrayed by Tony Todd, he's like a very famous black actor um, being set in, I think it was like Detroit or something. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Detroit. Which, which weird. When I was watching the trailer, I was like, is this Baltimore? <laughs> Cause it looks like, Bal- yeah, it looks shitty. Like Baltimore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering like, is he going to take like this character, this well-known character and kind of repurpose it as a lens to bring up social criticism regarding race? Yeah. I which know. is, he could, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I thought at first, like, that's where he was going with it. He was going to try and, like, mm-hmm. reinvent this character. 
But, you know, of course, producers don't have that power. That's a director's thing. So it's not going to happen. Well, he wrote, the, so, but he's a writer, too. Oh, yeah, he, I forgot he wrote so, the screenplay, yeah. So looking at his credentials, um, if he was, a, the only two movies that he directed were Get Out and Us, and that was the original screenplay. He also wrote those movies. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he wrote and produced Keanu, which is about that, uh, which is him and, um, what's his face? Key? Is it Key, Key and Peele? Yeah, yeah, Key and Peele. Yeah, yeah, both of them together doing something about a cat and stuff is kind of a funny thing. Anyway, um, yeah, so he it could be like that. I can see that. Um, you know, watching the trailer. Um, well, first, it's been a very long time since I've seen Candyman, but isn't isn't Candyman isn't wasn't Candyman supposed to be like an urban or like a city like um basically like a city Freddy a version of Freddy or a version of like any slasher film in the 80s even though it came out in the early 90s it was like a i would say an urban you know more towards the black community was candyman was based more towards the black community in the 90s so when the when um i saw this trailer and obviously you know it's predominantly african-american starring in it i was like wow okay so they kept it true they didn't do something totally odd he was supposed to be one of those people that lived in you know Candyman would attack people in the projects he would attack people you know anywhere in the city he was a city killer slasher guy so mm-hmm. um i like i like that they're keeping towards that i will say this i am a huge fan even though i don't watch horror as much as i used to anymore but i will always have a spot in my heart for blood and gore and this this trailer had some blood and gore in it yeah, that, that shot with the kid looking in through the door, oh, yeah. and there's just, like, blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's good. And then the, the fucking hook just, like, pulls back the curtain. That looked badass. I don't know who's doing trailers for uh for um Jordan's projects, but I mean, even the Get Out trailer was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> but, um... The yeah, tra- they need to get a raise or something. Well, the trailer... See, I like the suspensefulness. So if you go through the trailer, there's two, there's three spots in the trailer where you see the hook, and the hook is obviously the main, you know, this thing is attached to this guy's hand. It's his hand. It's the hook, and there's one scene when I think they're in the art gallery, but it's like uh, just two people making out, and the lights are off, and the music is playing, um, which they took uh, I think Destiny's Child, and they just twisted it with some kind of horror theme, and. Um, mm-hmm. Candyman is just like uh, the guy with the hook is just like peeling like some kind of screen or something. It's just so creepy. It freaked me out. I watched it like four times. Just that, just that scene alone. It was pretty cool. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this <laughs> because I want it to be good so bad. There's so few decent horror movies out these days. Yeah, and I can't rely on eight twenty four for everything because eventually they're gonna start making garbage. Well, it's just like a law of the universe. I think, um, I feel like horror, I mean, every movie genre goes through a phase where it's like, there was a time where action movies were everything. Then there was a time where this guy named Nicholas Sparks just wrote all these romantic things. And, you know, there was a time where people, like, there was this, that was predominantly what's in movie theaters. Currently, obviously, it was, it was comic books. Comic book movie theaters, superheroes, that's the thing. But, what people don't see, the horror genre is going crazy. Now, it kind of, in my view, this is just my opinion. Obviously, foreign horror movies have been, you know, foreign directors, Spanish directors, French directors, German directors, Russian directors. They're all creating a horror thing. And it's not catching, it's catching with true horror fans, but it's not really getting big. But the fact that, hey, I'm going to say two comedians, because you got to look at, um, what's his face from The Office? He's making some some good shit too, like horror, suspenseful. Movies. Oh, John Krasinski, yeah. Yeah. So, like the fact that comedians, these people that we adore, that would just you know do skits all the time or just do funny things, are coming out with some original, scary stuff. I mean, I'm very optimistic. You know, Candyman's one of those films where I think it would do. I think it would do better. Like if if Jordan Peele came out and said, "I'm going to remake um, Friday the Thirteenth, and I'm going to do it well." I think he would do it well because just the way us and Get Out was filmed. I finally saw them both, by the way, and yeah, I, I just, I, I, yeah, hmm? I think he would do it well. Yes. I think he will. He did. I, I haven't seen anything bad, even produced by Jordan Peele. 
I think he's he's got it under control. You know, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. If this turns out to be something terrible, I'm more will I'm willing to blame it on Blumhouse. Basically, I'm not I'm not <laughs> going to blame it on him because honestly, it was probably their fault anyway. Yeah, Blumhouse. Um, they got a lot of stuff coming out too. By the way. A lot of stuff. They always do. That's that's <laughs> the key. Is they keep a constant rotation, um, and you, they'll they'll intentionally, I feel like, make these shitty movies. Like, like they have um, they had one just come out, Bloomhouse's Fantasy, which was apparently based on something that used to be like crazy big back in the like seventies or eighties or something. It was before my time. Yeah, and it was it wasn't horror at all, but they turned it into a horror movie. And from what I've heard, it's fucking awful. But it's still probably made its money back. I'm gonna check right now how much money this piece of shit movie made. Why are you doing that? I'm, um, you know, uh, I didn't know they produced uh, the Halloween films. Well, recent Halloween films, mm-hmm. uh, like the remake. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. Like, so in in 2020, Halloween Kills comes out, and in 2021, Halloween Ends, which is supposed to be the last Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis in it. <laughs> So, yeah, I need to dive more into uh, into this. Uh, they got a lot of good shit. We just we do an episode and just watch. Uh, we'll just pick random movies from this um, production company. Yeah, from fucking Blumhouse, <laughs> and then just Paranormal. just watch it. It'll be like a drinking game. Yeah, Paranormal Activity Seven is coming out. Oh my god, there's a lot. There's a lot of things. Oh, they just did the Invisible Man, which is doing well right now in the box office. I've heard good things about that. I'm actually planning on seeing it sometime soon. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah. what? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's, it doesn't matter how many shitty movies they have. Mm-hmm. They put out so many movies that one of them is bound to be good. And either way, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it makes money. I feel like big companies. Disney does that. I know for a fact. I mean, recently. I mean, okay. So look at all the Marvel movies. You know, the original Thor and the second Thor didn't do that well. But they were like, we're making so much money elsewhere. We'll just continue it. And finally, they made a good movie because they found a better um, director. So there is hope and stuff like that. Um, but Candyman, um, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, I'm ready to, you know, I will say this: go and watch the 1992 trailer because it just screams 90s. It has that overlaid narrator like, "In a dark world, <laughs> there's a guy." And then, like, it has, like, those over, like, ex- like, those actresses that just try their best. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, one of the actresses that that is in that 1992 original Candyman is actually in the trailer for the um, new Candyman. So I'm pretty, that's pretty cool. So I wonder if she tells the story of, so. Of, like, how she survived, I yeah, guess. Maybe. She was that girl that was, like, when the guy was asking her questions in the trailer, she was like, shh. Like be quiet. Like don't say his name. Don't say his fucking name. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I do think there's definitely some kind of possess possession. I mean, yeah, like like just from the trailer, like that guy, like or he's so obsessed with Candyman that um he sees himself in the Candyman, and then it turns out maybe he's the one that's Candyman at the end. I mean, this is what I got from the trailer. So yeah, honestly, I could see them pulling like a like a bullshit kind of thing where it's like, oh, he was the killer all along, and he was just pretending that it was Candyman or something. Yeah, but oh that man, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> so yes, so I guess uh, when we if we both ever do watch Candyman, we should uh, definitely talk about it. But I don't know when it's coming out. I know that it's sometime this year, so it's probably more like more likely this summer. I don't know. Let me just look it up real quick. Rob. Do that. How I feel. Candyman 2020. It comes out June 12th, so that's a good time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works for me. Mm-hmm. But um, so dude, what else you want to talk about, boy? So I've been. Do you watch documentaries? I actually just watched one last night. What you watch? It's a food documentary called For Grace. Okay. Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd recommend it. I kind of um, I get it. You love food? <laughs> hey, because of you, I just posted me cooking today on Snapchat. So hopefully, oh, hopefully you see it. <laughs> uh, what have I created? Oh, uh, man. Well, you know, I was just cooking, you know, so today I have the day off, you know, and my wife, um, so I'm pretty much the permanent closer at my job now, um, which is okay. I enjoy it. 
So, but I always work like, you know, 12 to 10, 1 to 10. So I'm just never at home to make dinner for my wife because I'm the one that cooks the most. And mm -hmm. um, I wanted to, uh, you know, meal prep for her. So today was my day off. So I, you know, I cook, sal I sauteed some onions up with some garlic, um, you know, just a little bit because I know she likes some sauteed onions. Then I cooked some sausage. But the thing that I really wanted to cook, I made some asparagus. Um, I put some um, Parmesan garlic sauce on it. Not sauce, like some sprinkled some um, seasoning on it, but then I put a little bit of bacon in it. Ooh, mm. so now, uh, so that's what I posted on. Uh, well, I posted on my Instagram, but I also posted on my uh, Snapchat. But I thought of you because you just always like to post food, what you're cooking and stuff. Yeah, I just like to keep people in the know. Yeah, I guess. No, it's good. Um, but no, I, I well, I bring I bring up the whole documentary thing because um, I just uh, I don't know what it is. So I I, I love documentaries on Netflix, by the way. But recently, I just like watching fucked up shit. <laughs> like, things are just like, man, I can't believe this is happening. So my wife and I are watching this documentary right now. Actually, as we speak, it's on pause because I'm doing this podcast with you. But um, it's about this 8-year-old kid named Gabriel... Uh, I forget his last name. Lopez, maybe? I don't know. But basically, he was tortured and beat and then murdered. And... It, but he, he, he's been tortured and beat over the years. And then social services and all these government officials, police officers have been to the house and stuff. And no one said anything or took the kid away. And now it resulted he died. And now they're, the, the county of L.A. L.A. County in California is basically charging murder on everyone that was involved in the murder. And then they're charging all these like people, the social workers that just came to the house and just didn't think it was enough to call the police or get the kid to be removed. They're like prosecuting them too. It's like this big thing. So I've been going through this like weird, I don't know, this weird documentary. Like it's not just that. I also watch something. I always love watching people do uh, drugs and kill themselves and stuff. I don't know. I'm fucked up. Mm -hmm. Is that fucked up? I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I usually don't like watching it like on TV though. I'll kind of just like mm -hmm. go sit down at the corner and watch them do it themselves. Yeah, you know, get the authentic oh, experience and everything. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but but because I've been watching so many documentaries about some weird shit, like people murdering people and things like that, I have thoughts sometimes, and it freaks me out. Do you ever have like murderous thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking Griffin out my, this podcast. My lawyer has advised me not to answer that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, get that get that shit in front of a jury one day. Like, yeah, Your Honor, here's the dumb shit he said on a podcast one time. <laughs> It'd be worse if I'm completely innocent, too. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say about the, the documentaries. Nothing too extravagant about that. Um, oh, I did mm. get it. I did. Uh, I wanted to tell you this. This is kind of out of the blue. Um, two good buddies of mine. Um, one of them is my one friend that you remember we, a long time ago, we, me and you did a podcast and you recommended a, a book, a horror book called Terror. Oh, yeah. And uh, he picked it up and read it. He loves shit like that. He's, he is like a gore fanatic kind of guy. Him and one of my other friends that um, likes horror movies and stuff, them two want to start a podcast and just talk about zombies. And you know, I know how much you love zombies. So, so I um, fucking hate zombies. <laughs> um, I, even though I feel like that trend is kind of over, um, I told him that I would be involved and I would do some um, some zombie episodes and stuff. But I'm definitely pulling your ass in there. You might hate oh, zombies, Christ. but you've seen zombie films, you know? Like, <laughs> I've seen plenty of zombie films. Too many of the fucking things. Yeah. So I just I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. But what what's going on with you, bud? I haven't talked to you in a while. We haven't really did a real good podcast. Well, uh, I just I just just been cooking and reading and watching, man. That's about all I've been doing. Yeah. Stay a little bit healthier. Mm -hmm. Eat more shit. I've actually I will admit this in public for the very first time, somewhat heretically. Okay. I kind of prefer turkey bacon to pork. Okay. Especially you can get it crisp, you know. Yeah. See, I How's feel it? like um you're going on like a a food spiritual journey right now. I um for those who don't know Griffin, you should go listen to all of our the podcasts that me and him have done together. But he's definitely a foodie. He likes to cook. He likes to, you know, he's a meat cutter. Um, you mm -hmm. know, he 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 just loves 
cooking and doing things with his hands and definitely eating because I love eating too. <laughs> we all love eating. Um, but, you know, and that's what that's part of the reason why I'm good friends with him because I, I just I, I enjoy food as much as he does. But he's going on like a for the last probably, I don't know, at least a year, maybe even longer, probably even before that. But it's really taken off because um, he finally got an Instagram and and, and social media basically. He uh, he's cooking a lot, and I feel like I'm just following him on this journey. And I keep seeing these things he's posting, and he's just creating his own bread, doing things, doing sauces from scratch. Um, dude, I love this journey that you're on. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things, one of the reasons why it took me so long to get on here is actually fiddling around with the dough of mine. I'm making a loaf tonight. And it was being a little temperamental, but it's all under control now. Do you like punch it, the dough? Like, motherfucker, get him. <laughs> yeah, honestly, my, my favorite joke that I, I give with people is that when you're first teaching them how to make bread, it's like, you got to be real gentle with it. You got to treat it like a baby. And then you pick up the dough and slam it as hard as you can down on the, t- on the countertop. Uh-huh. It's actually something you're supposed to do. It's called the slap and fold technique. Yeah. But the look on their faces is always just worth its weight in gold. It's like, wow. Oh my God. I can, I can imagine that. <laughs> hey, one of our yeah. first podcasts we did, we talked about food, the differences between my food up North and your food down here. That was pretty. Yeah. I still, we, I work with a bunch of Yankees and they're always telling me the differences between Northern and Southern food, mostly that Southern food apparently sucks. Mm. And we don't make it near as good as they do up north and all this kind of shit. It's like, yeah, 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 man. I still, I don't see you wasting away. You're still eating. You'll be fine. The only thing I'll say about that is I feel like more, more, I would say more Italians, more Irish, and more like Polish folks congregated up north than they did in the southern regions. And I feel like they bring a lot of seasonings and a whole bunch of different things to the table. Not that the southern cooking is not like that. Um, that's how I feel because I, I'm ignorant towards, towards it because I, I grew up up north. I'm favored to that, and I understand that. I mean, there's pizzerias everywhere. And just the flavor alone with Italian. And there's more of a culture melting pot up north than there is in the south. Now, on the other hand, southern folks, they got that hearty country food that you can't get up north like i i've recently just had green beans i don't like green beans but i've recently just had green beans i don't know what the hell they did to them but they were the best damn green beans they were flat green beans they weren't like a normal green bean and it had a little bit of bacon pieces in it but it felt like steamed or or smoked they might have smoked the green beans i don't know but you don't get stuff like that upstairs i feel like in the southern regions everything is slow cooking and up north, it's all fast. Let's get it out and let's eat. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. Us, we're always a very like low key, a very slow kind of people. We're not really in any <laughs> big hurry to get anywhere or do anything. So all of our food is either slow roasted, it's smoked, it's braised. Mm-hmm. We take our time, and it really, I think, it shows in the food that we make. I love, uh, you know why I love having you on this podcast? We go from, huh. we always go from horror to food and then to something yeah. else that they bring. <laughs> Even if we try not to, like we'll yeah. go out of our like, all right, let's stay on topic. Let's stay on topic. Then yeah. inevitably it's like, hey, so what's, what have you been cooking? I'm well, just talking about food. I'm telling you, man. I mean, just the, just witnessing all that stuff. I can smell it and it just, it just smells pretty good. So, um, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an oddball question. We're going to shift gears again. I'm going to shift some gears. This is All something right. me and you have never talked about. But um, So you live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we recently just had um, a little bit of an election. Okay. Now, I stay out of politics. I can give a shit less. But um, what, what's, the, what's the word up there in Charlotte, in the north, compared to the south here? <laughs> like, right now? Literally pretty much nothing. Um, North Carolina as a state is extremely conservative most of the time. Um, There are little blue pockets. So like here in Charlotte and and especially over in Raleigh, they're relatively, if not blue, then at least a very light shade of purple. Um, But... Any further, like, outwind than that, like, out in the rural 
like this state went overwhelmingly for Trump, even though Charlotte and Raleigh and Matthews all went overwhelmingly for Hillary. Yeah. Um, so the RNC is going to be hosted here in a couple of months and it's going to be a complete fucking nightmare. Um, traffic wise. And I feel like with all the crazy shit and the crazy people that are going on, somebody's going to try something. Just an idea that I have. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. I, you know, but part of politics, man, you know, it's so uh, I, I get it. So I supposedly, so I don't know too much about the politics in North Carolina, but supposedly in South Carolina, it's a huge Republican state. Everyone here loves their Republican or our, our governor's Republic, you know, so they're all all about the Republican. But I will say there's a huge shift down here, at least towards the beach in the Charleston area, too. Um, mm-hmm. There's a huge shift down here for some Democrats. And um, I, I just I don't know. I, I try my best to stay out of it because I don't know too much. I don't know how to argue. That's what it is. And I feel yeah. like when you when someone comes up to you and says, let's talk politics. The first thing that comes to my mind is, OK, so arguing. Or, you know, like, so it's because even if you found someone with the same beliefs, you probably have a different belief in what they believe in. So it's kind of like, it's like religion. I just stay the hell out of it as much as possible. Um, but I will say down here, I mean, the, the vibe is pretty good. Um, it's, but here at Myrtle Beach, we have more Yankees than anybody else. I mean, more people from New York are moving down here and I don't even think they care. <laughs> so... For the locals, though, it's definitely a big push. But I can see Donald Trump winning in North in South Carolina just because he really pray. You know, you know this is going to sound one sided, but it seems like he really capitalizes on that um, that country good old boy. You know, feel even though Donald Trump is not even close to country. I was about to say he's about as far from a good old no, boy as you can get, he's, but. He's, a gold spoon, uh, New York, uh, kind of guy, but, uh, <laughs> but no, he, he's really, I mean, he's going to NASCAR events. He, you know what I'm saying? He's just doing things in the South. He's just trying he's playing to his base. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he avoids the big questions. And I think that, and then, you know, in the world that we live in, we're so dumb, you know, half of us are just like, Oh, well, that's cool. I mean, he, he said, let's start your engines at the, at Daytona. So I love him because of that. But we don't look at – he never talks about views and stuff. He's always talking about what he did do and then, you know, stuff like that. But that's all. Well, it's, it's, it's two things, I feel. Um, the first being that – and again, like it's, it's very obvious. I'm not a big fan of the guy. So it might be I'm, I'm very biased on it. But we notice whenever he talks about his views, he's so fucking incomprehensible. You can never nail down anything concrete that he says. Oh, yeah. And then when he does – when he occasionally does say something controversial or provocative, it's such like fucking word salad that the next day it's all his press secretary has to do is say, oh, it was taken out of context. That's not what he actually, yeah. you know, what he actually meant was this, which is a lot more palatable, you know, mm-hmm. because that sounds better to the people. I get it. I, it's that and he's inoculated himself with this whole fake news thing to the point where like, as he said once, he famously said, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't lose a vote. That's not bullshit. He could, he, I believe, genuinely, he could do it. Because you see all the time all these headlines coming out and all, they, all he has to do is say fake news and that's the end of it. Yeah. Nobody brings up anything. Nobody has any further questions. Nobody calls on him to resign or anything like that. It's just, ah, it's fake news. Ignore it. Don't worry about it. Well, I don't know. We'll find out this year. Uh, that, that's the uh, the end of my goober uh, thoughts on politics. Oh, trust me, I didn't. I just wanted to bring in some content because that's literally what's going on in the last couple of weeks here down here at the beach. Um, yeah, so. thankfully, I, we've been kind of like we're getting kind of ignored right now because we're not a very important. We're not at, like an early voting state or anything. Yeah, I think here not too long ago, and uh, of course, Trump has around in the state like every other um i expect the tempo is really going to pick up once super tuesday comes and like comes and goes and they have like a concrete nominee on the democratic side it's going to get a little wild in here mm-hmm. can't really say i'm looking forward to it but we'll deal with it when it comes you know this is true just, i agree i'm just did you now i can't i don't think we work together 
in 2016, but at your old job, did, did customers ever ask you about who you're voting for? Um, no. Huh. So, well, the job I had before me and you met, 2016, what was I doing? Actually, no, I worked for Harris Teeter. Well, it depends on, well, yeah, I got hired right before the elections in 2016. Um, no, no one asked me, no. I, I was in Mint Hill, too. That's where I, I originally started. That was my where I started, and that's where I ended. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no one really asked me. Now, if I brought up something, like, oh, you voted today, then they would ask me. But I, they never really asked me. Now, I feel like people, I can, I can see where you're going with. I can see nowadays people asking you because, you know, in the mm-hmm. world we live in, they just want to know. And, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, I don't know. I'm just... We'll see what happens. I, you know, it, like I said, it can it can go either way. I don't know. I'm done. Done talking about politics. Fuck them. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, well, you know, I, I wanted to get on here and talk. To ooh, you. actually, ooh, I got an idea. Oh, ooh, here we go. Here we go. It's it's still like vaguely political, but it's it's a it's like relevant to movies, which we both enjoy. Mm-hmm. I take it you've heard about the controversy surrounding the Hunt. Yes, that movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. The I just saw. What's on it? What? Well, I'm sorry you you broke up because I uh, my internet just uh, decided to be weird. So, what uh, are my thoughts on the hunt? Yes, based on the trailer that just came out the other day. Okay, well, I can talk to you about that. So, mm-hmm. I feel like the story if if you take away everything, the story of the hunt is the same old story that you've heard of so many other times. I mean, think about it. It's literally, uh, you know, a whole bunch of rich. From what I gather, it's a whole bunch of rich people just hunting people, <laughs> like the most dangerous game kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's just another take on that. Um, and uh, is that a, Blum- a Blumhouse production too? I th- I, th- I don't know. Actually, let's see. I think it might be. I, you know. So that's another thing. Um, I like that they got some good actors and actresses in it, which is pretty cool. Um, but like I said, it's just it's just another take on the same story, which I don't mind. Um, but I know it's kind of it's going to involve some presidential kind of stuff. It's the day after I think this whole thing happens at like the day after Donald Trump becomes president. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to read yeah. more about the hunt. But just watching the trailer alone, just watching the trailer alone. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be bloody. It's going to be gory. So I think I'll like it. <laughs> Yep, it, you are correct. It is a Blumhouse. Oh, wow. God, there's I'm, so many fucking Blumhouse movies out there. But isn't it just like the same story? There was another story. There, so there was another, ver- up, up, what is it called? Adaptation? I can't. Adaptation. Adaptation, yeah. Adaptation to something like this. Um, it was like in an office building, right? Like. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, the fuck, what was it called? It was, it was, but it was on the lines of the same kind of story where these people are trapped in an office building, and it's like, oh, and someone's telling them the only way you can get out is just to kill everyone. And it's kind of, it feels like it's kind of the same thing. But this one's more the classic where, you know, a whole bunch of rich people put a whole bunch of people on the island and be like, okay, be the last to survive, Hunger Game style. But they have people hunting them, and then it's the strangers. I think it's the people that they're not killing each other. It's just they're just trying to hide and stuff. Um. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this works. When does this come out? Uh, March thirteenth. Hmm. I mean, kind what, of a weird. I mean, I, I don't think they should have pulled it from. Okay, bird just landed on my window. That's fine. <laughs> what do you? I, what are you thinking? I think they shouldn't have pulled it. Release anyway. I understand. You know, trying to be sympathetic to the victims of the El Paso shootings. Yeah. Um. Even that. I mean, honestly, shootings happen so much every single day in this country. Yeah. It makes me wonder, are we even going to keep making movies about stuff where people get shot? Because it gets, it happens so often and they pull the movies so often. It's like, what's the point anymore of even doing this shit? Um, the only thing I can say is I'm a huge believer, regardless of what the movie is, if it's not a horror, action, love story, anything. I'm a huge believer that... The, there's certain months that make that so you there's certain dates that those movies come out that will make or break a movie. I'm a huge believer in that 
that's it's so weird. But a lot of horror movies come out in February, and they're usually successful because I, in in February it's supposed to be like the month of love kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, it's like uh, October and February. Or September, October, and February are like the three best months to put out horror movies. So when I hear a horror movie coming out later in the in the year, it's going to be kind of hard to – I don't know. But that's just horror movies. Like even action movies, like if they come out at the same time as another action movie with a bigger star, I mean you're just doomed for success. You're not going to make anything. So I'm a strong believer that if you – so when you make a movie, you commit to it. I think it was supposed to come out in September. And now you're pushing it back to March the following year. <laughs> like, I just feel like it damages the film a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the controversy certainly doesn't help. Um, there's going to be a subset of the population that's not going to watch it no matter what. And there's going to be a subset that's going to watch it no matter what because of that controversy. But ultimately, just based on the way it looks from the trailer, I think this whole thing is way overblown. Like, the movie doesn't look amazing. I'm never sitting there like, damn, I'm, I can't wait to see The Hunt or anything like that. I think it's going to be an entertaining time. It's going to be worth the price of admission, maybe. This is a hopefully. Date, this is a date movie or a $5 theater movie. I mean, that'd have to be a certain kind of woman for that to be your, <laughs> your date movie, but... No, no. Like um, well, when I was young, you used to always me and my friends used to always say, if you really like a girl, you'll go to the movie that she wants. But if you really just want to make out with the girl or just whatever with the girl, you take her to see a horror film because she'll jump into your arms, she'll be so scared, she'll be oh my gosh, and then you're not really paying attention to the film anyway. You're just trying to figure out how to get into her pants or, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. So that's that's you know, I've always had that mentality. Um, so that's how I judge it. Like there's certain horror films that you are into and then there's some that's like, well, whatever, like the Hitcher that came out. And in the end, I actually liked the Hitcher, but you know, I think at the time I was dating some girl and I was like, Oh, come let's go watch the Hitcher when that came out. And I didn't give a shit about the damn movie. (laughs) I was all trying to, you know, get with her. Um, but then later I saw it on DVD and I was like, wow, there's, there's actually a really good scene in that movie. That's probably one of my favorite movie, favorite horror movie scenes so i mean yeah i don't know i go on my rants <laughs> yeah i don't know i just I, I i want horror movies to be good man i know that sounds like such a reductive argument and stuff but it, well, it really shouldn't be it well, shouldn't be that difficult well, i don't you, feel you know um i think what we need is um i don't mind the occasional remake or the different take on something that's an old story um every now and then but when it gets oversaturated it's just oh, too much i like original screenplays like you know like we just said when we started this we talked about jordan peele get out and us just those two alone i mean the choir place you know i mean the choir place too is about to come out these are things that are just original screenplays that's why i'm always so attracted to monster films too because they're there's a lot of monster films out there, but it's like they're so – I like the original screenplay. Super 8 was a good one. Cloverfield. Obviously, I'm always – anything that's in the field of Cloverfield, I love. Any, anything that's in the realm of it. You know, it's just – yeah. Anyway. All right, Griffin. Um, yeah, you got anything else? We're just going to call this one, you know, just conversations. <laughs> um, yeah, K-pop is kind of fucking stupid. I just found out about that recently. I mean, the actual actual music isn't terrible oh, or anything. Um, oh no, that's it's just Korean pop music. Uh, yeah, I know. I I, I, just and, I saw that boy band recently. Yeah, the the you see the fan culture surrounding K-pop. That shit is scary, man. That shit is weird. Uh, like, there's this zombie movie out there. One of the few zombie movies I actually enjoy these days. It's called Train to Busan, and. If you see any comments sections talking about the movie, be it on YouTube, be it on Amazon, anything like that, there's always these creepy little fuck faces down in there talking about one of the, the actresses in there apparently used to be in a K-pop band, and she plays a cheerleader in the movie. And there's all these thirsty, creepy motherfuckers down in there talking about that cheerleader. Like, oh man, she's got amazing legs and stuff. Girl's like eight. You know, that shit is weird. And that apparently is just the tip of the iceberg for K-pop. I mean, there's people 
stabbing themselves or each other over not liking a certain band and they go to all these little concerts and they like synchronize these massive dance moves and stuff yeah it's like what the fuck do you guys really have nothing better to do like i don't even go to concerts because it's like a waste of fucking time K-pop. Oh my God. if i like if i like a band i'll buy their album to financially support them and then i just listen to it on my own and i cry and i drink you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Don't go fucking sitting there and like stabbing an actress because she won't get with you because she was in a band that you liked. And I, I remember reading something not too long ago about this one weird motherfucker. He was obsessed with this one like K-pop lady, um, and she was always very, very careful about like she'd do Instagram live streams and shit like that. She was always really careful about not giving away where she was. Real quick, every, which is every time you uh, say, every time you say K-pop, I just I'm, for some reason I'm thinking of a damn lollipop or a cake pop. So it's every time you say it, I'm just sitting there like she's talking about you know this this lady from the K-pop. yeah somebody <laughs> got got stabbed for over a fucking cake pop. Wouldn't yeah. that be something? Go on. With I mean, honestly, <laughs> in America, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past it. But. This is this lady, you know, she was always very careful with her Instagram streams and stuff. It would always be like in against some blank wall. She's just talking to people, talking to her fans and stuff, which is always a great sign when you have to hide where you are from your deranged fucking fans. But this one creepy motherfucker apparently saw a reflection in her sunglasses, freeze framed it, zoomed it in, found the exact terminal of the train station she was at, ran over there and stabbed her like three times. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm saying, man. Man, this this shit is stupid. It's a you know it's a fad, it'll go away. It's been going on for years, man. <laughs> well, this some, shit ain't going anywhere. Some fads last a long time. <laughs> that would be the that would be like the one thing that I think you know, reunification. Like if the North and South Korea's ever got back together, uh-huh. like uh East and West Germany. The the North Koreans they would be amazed at I think at the technological breakthroughs and the the level of social structure and stability of the South Koreans, but at the same time they'd be like, "What the fuck is this K-pop stuff? What the hell is wrong with you guys? I want to go back north of the wall." <laughs> oh my gosh! <sighs> okay, that's a good that's a good thing to end on K-pop cake yeah. cake pops. Yeah, K-pop is Enjoy the urine of music. Enjoy them. <laughs> All right, is there anything else you want to say to everyone? Um, come on, come on, say something good. You, your one-liners are the best. I love. But actually, that's, that's kind of fucked up when you think about it, because you think you want like nice, nutritious blood for the vampire in your life, but then you put fucking garlic in the. So, oh shit! I didn't even think about that. What if you, what if there's a vampire in your life and you're trying to take care of him? You want nice, nutritious blood. How do you best go about that? Other than like spinach, of course, for iron. Like, what do you need? Calcium? Well, I would tell you. So there's a there was a movie that came out in the '90s. <laughs> uh, it said like my boyfriend's a vampire. My boyfriend's a vampire. I don't, let me look this. Up. Let me try to figure this out real quick. Um. You always bring me back into this. <laughs> Vampire, mm. boyfriend. Uh, There's something else too, man. Um, Oolong tea is good as shit. I forget what it's called, but oh, I, I can't figure it out. Anyway, so there was a movie. Um, basically, her boyfriend um, became a vampire and they didn't know what to do. So uh, just feed on animals, fresh animals. That's, that's what he did. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, well, you don't even need to feed on animals, man. They sell pig's blood at, like, any international... I was in this one international place down by me uh, yesterday just looking for passion fruit, yeah, which they didn't have. Well, they had some frozen, but I was trying to get it fresh. And uh, they sold pig's blood, goat's blood, uh, chicken blood. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's for, the, that's for the rituals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They actually sold fish sperm, which I didn't realize till now was a thing. It's high in protein. Very high. <laughs> nice, salty, like, umami flavors. Um, it's legit. It's like an entire frozen block of what's called cod milt. It's literally just like a block of fish cum. Okay. I don't understand what you're supposed to do with it. 
It was a pound and a half. Who's buying this much cum? You buy that shit in like little individual serving sizes. Maybe that's fine. You know, you serve with tequila. You get a little bit of lime in there. You do do a shot of semen, and shot of tequila. You know, they probably taste about the same. But who's buying like wholesale fish jizz? Okay. Um. <laughs> I was trying to end this podcast, but you just pulled me into this fish cum. So I looked it up real quick. It, it's a, um, it's called malt or soft roe, which is um, refers to a male's genitalia of the fish, which contains sperm. Many cultures eat the malt, often fried. So fried male genitalia with sperm inside of it. So basically, a nut from a fish is fried kind of like a rocky mountain oyster you don't think about it like that now you actually just buying the cod i'm looking at it here fresh sperm from a cod i'm you know they're cooking it yeah it's milt yeah yeah yeah, milt a malt i don't know why i'm saying milt um but yeah i'm watching this guy um cook it right now i mean they just fry it and they put a little bit of caviar on top of it so it's literally you're getting the egg and you're also getting the what it's like it's making a like a uh, it's making a fish inside your stomach yeah because you got the sperm and the egg like nine months later you give birth to a bunch of fuck the hell's the matter with these people yeah it's it's i never knew anything of it but it's basically like um so it literally just says that's really big in japan indonesia romanian korean food um, some, some, say there we go again with the fucking Koreans, <laughs> but it's basically like uh, another version of caviar, just the opposite. <laughs> oh my God. Why are you bring me back into this? <sighs> I'm going to, we're going to sign off this episode. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to end on sperm. Honestly, I think, I think fish jizz with like hot sauce might be okay. Oh my God. If you guys love and like what you just heard, please like, and share us. Go to our Facebook page or Instagram page or Twitter page, all at Couch on Fire Podcast. Um, we couldn't do this without you guys' support, and we want to continue doing this because we do love and cherish everything we say and everything we do. And uh, thank you guys for everything, and I will see you next episode.